This message is brought to you by The Covenant Nation. You know, as an event planner, I said, let me come and disrupt and show a video before I speak. But I was meant to speak to the video, but innovation disrupted itself and the video came. But it's okay. Pastor Podri, Pastor Toyo, thank you so much for inviting me. And I am here as a victim of good manners. As you saw, Pastor Podri was one of the church leaders that did show the weight in, the, in his church because we went around on the church round and when it came on Netflix in January and went straight to number one I thought oh, let me call all the pastors who believed in us even before we went to Netflix to say thank you so I said Pastor Podu can you see what has happened thank you so much oh he says anyway, that's fantastic but guess what you're speaking at the platform on the first of me <laughs> and here I am but I'm totally excited to be here and I'm going to take a different slant on the topic for today I believe um, you've heard from, you know, several speakers and you're going to hear from several more and everybody will bring their own slant on innovation and entrepreneurship. However, the brief I was given by Pastor Podju was basically to tell my story, which is why I showed that short video, which was a video we produced when Eventful was 20 last year, October. And it basically just... I think in two minutes, encapsulates exactly the essence of the company and the essence of entrepreneurship, which is growing a business, building it up, building the people, and then sustaining it so that you can hand it to the next generation. I'm going to take it in a very, I like people to remember what I say, and I, I actually remember things, maybe it's the lawyer in me, I remember things where they told me in point form. So I'm going to give you 10 points, 10 requirements, I believe, of having a sustainable business. They're not exhaustive. There may be some that may be more important to you. There may be some that may be less important to you. But I believe by the end of my 20 minutes, I would have gone through the 20-year adventure that I have been on. And I hope you'll be able to take something out of it to run within your own business. Thank you so much again for this opportunity. Yes, now my age is going to show. <laughs> she said there's going to be an arrow pointing up. Yay, did it. <laughs> so, the first thing I'm going to talk about is vision. You want to be an entrepreneur, you must have vision. And you must have clarity of that vision. You need to be a dreamer if you're going to be an entrepreneur because you need to be able to imagine the future. Now, for me, I was, because as you know, I mean, I, I was a lawyer and a banker for 18 years before I transited into the entrepreneurial realm. So, I came for a very structured background. But I was clear in my mind that whatever business I'm going to run was going to be a business that was going to be world-class. It was going to be a business that would be sustainable. And so I was very deliberate and intentional in the way I went about it to ensure that I got this outcome. So my story, I'd been in law and banking for 18 years and I was getting bored. I was in the bank. I'd been there, I think, about 13 years. And I knew it was time to do something different. But so what would something different be? And I knew that what, uh, when I spoke to my friends who were doing their own separate businesses, everybody was doing what was a calling for them, what they were passionate about, what they loved to do. What did I know how to do? What was I good at? I mean, one thing I knew I had always been good at is bringing people together, organizing people. But really, 20 years ago, was that a viable business? Well, as you can see now, when you step out with the courage of your convictions, when you do something nobody has dared to do before, eventually you will see that, yes, this can be a viable business. So I set out to be a solution provider. 
it was it may seem so mundane but there were so many things people were doing by themselves that they didn't really want to do anymore and of course because of my corporate background I started off as a corporate events planner doing events for the corporates but what of course happened is along the way then the corporates people would say can I do this for you and then we moved into the retail so clarity of vision what animal do you want to be and then what is important also is that not everybody has to have that dream of being a world class institution your dream may be to be a mom and pop business your dream may even for it to be just a small business that you're not even really depending on to sustain you let it just be your dream so vision clarity of vision i think that's the very first most important thing passion I know an earlier speaker had spoken about it and I smiled because I was listening to her as she was as I was coming in and what she did say is true now passion is important if you're going to be an entrepreneur because you have to love what you're going to do you have to it has to be something that if they wake you up at night and they say you know come and do this and we're not even going to pay you it's something you'll be happy to do but at the same time don't be passionately passionate about nothing it does not make sense if you have something you are passionate about that is not providing value to anybody that is not going to be a solution provider of course it's not going to be a business so i believe that yes whilst you must pursue your passion you must make sure that whatever it is that you're offering is something that adds value you must be authentic a lot of us have this what we call the me too syndrome. You go into a business because it seems to be the fashionable thing at the time. You know, when events started, everybody was moving into events, fashionable, or is it fashion? Is it now tech? But what do you want to do? Who are you? You have to be true to yourself. You have to be authentic because what passion does is that at the times and as everybody has said, there'll be good times, there'll be bad times in business. At those bad times, that passion will sustain you because you love what you're doing so much. You're going to dig your heels in and you're going to make sure you get to the next level. And you know you need to be very very um be avoid dream killers because sometimes what you are passionate about and what you think is going to be a business may seem like something quite ridiculous in the eyes of people i remember one of my friends called me to the side when i said i was leaving the bank at a deputy general manager level to start this business and said to me you and day she said it's yoruba you want to lock in bridge to balloon in short, the person said, with your Cambridge degree and your DGM level, you want to be arranging chairs and uh, putting balloons up. But I was clear that that was not what my business was going to be about. But you see, if you are not confident and if you don't have the courage of your convictions, it's very, very easy for you to just allow your dreams to die. And then, you know, you don't make anything of it. Also, with passion, that drive for excellence. Be driven by excellence. Just know that, I mean, compete only with yourself all the time. Just compete with yourself. Value system. I think that is so important. What are your values? Our values are what we are, you know, what, what, the principles we live our lives by. What are the principles by which you live your life? Because it's going to translate into your business. What are the things that are important to you? What are the things that drives you? For me, it's integrity, the fear of God, being dependable, being reliable. What are your work values? Are you, are, you some, are you a professional? Are you somebody that if you say you will do this, they know you will do it? These are the things that are important. And your value system, as I've said, translates into your work system. What do you want to be remembered for? You know, what do you, what, what, for us, very, very important. We never give bribes and we never give kickbacks to get any business. We just believe that the business at ours will come. And what, what we do, we're Africans. We are extremely generous when it is a festive season. We celebrate our clients at times when they have celebrations. We do things, but we will not give bribes. What do you want to be remembered for when you're building an institution? So always build your business with the end in mind. And we were very clear about that. Another thing that's very, very important in building a business. So this is Entrepreneurship 101 in 20 minutes. But I believe everybody will catch something. I'm going to talk about structure because entrepreneurs don't like that. 
we never really want to do that work. Nobody is interested in, uh, in, in what it takes to put structure in an organization. But it's the very fabric that holds everything together. And really, what is structure in a business? What is structure? It's just having a system where everything works together. Your team works. Everybody knows what they're doing. You know, it gives clarity to the business. Do you have an organogram? And don't tell me, oh, there are only five of us. Those five of you in that business. Does everybody know what they're supposed to do? Do you have job responsibilities? And I'll tell you, I mean, as I go along, you will understand why all these are the things that matter and will help you to make your business sustainable. Do you have job responsibilities? Do you do appraisals? Do people even understand that this is how I'm doing? I should do better. I should do less. And you see, apart from giving you clarity, it also builds trust. Because people know that there is a system and it's a system that works. They know that if they do this and do this, they will get here. And when that trust is built, competence always comes in as well. And, you know, do you have a board of directors? Many people will say, why should I have a board? Even for me, that I was a company secretary and legal advisor, I know how difficult it was to set up a lot of these things. But there were things I knew I had to set up to make the system work. It wasn't until I transited before my board, essentially, before I uh, left the business, was myself and my husband. But at the time I was leaving, I knew that I needed to bring in outsiders to strengthen the company. And I brought in uh, somebody who's an expert in corporate governance and somebody who's an expert in entertainment and entertainment law. And then all also made the three most senior staff directors. So by the time there's that sense of ownership and authority, then your business can run. It is so, so important. If you don't have structure at this time, if you take nothing away from what I'm saying, please build structure into your organization. Human resources, and there's a reason that they're called that, because you need to know that your human resources are resources for you. You know, they are the ones that together, and I love all what Indidi has said. As you know, I said for 18 years, I was, uh, I was working for a, a bank and in a law firm before I transited to my business. And you learn a lot, and you bring all that you learn into this new system. So you need to consider your human resources an asset. How do you treat your staff? If you just treat them as, you know, a means to an end, you don't care about them, you don't care about their work-life balance, you don't care about their wellness, how do you expect them to help your business to run? So these are soft skills, you know, they're, the, they're, they're, they're all the highfalutin high skills, but these are the soft skills that are really, really important. Do you value them? Do you appreciate them? What kind of reward system do you have? It's important for staff to be rewarded, then they know, and then it's their transparency. We always have an annual retreat where every single person, from the receptionist to the most senior person, sees all the numbers. And I know that one or two uh, facilitators came and said, you know, you show them everything? And I said, yes. So they know when the business is doing well and they understand that we can share and benefit. And when things are not going well, you don't have anything to hide. And also people need to, they, they need to feel a part of your business for them to stay for that longevity. And it is, the, it is your staff. You know, not just your, your clients, it is your staff that make your business run and make it last. Training. Do you train your staff? We've spoken about that. It's so important. Education. We invest a lot in staff. We invest in training. We, our staff, they go to Dubai, they go to England, they go to America. Why? Okay, yes, because I came from a corporate background and that was how I was trained. But then you see, it is what you want your company to be that you will put into it. If you do not give them the highest quality training at the highest level, you're not going to have the highest quality staff and you're not going to have the highest quality business. So these are the things I say when, you need to, when I say you need to be deliberate and intentional. What are you building? What do you want? So these are very, very important. Training is fundamental and it's a win-win. Yes, 
And I know, I mean, you know, I first said, I first thought that, oh, I will retire from my business after 10 years, after 15 years. But that couldn't happen because there's always staff attrition. People will want to go and do other things. But it doesn't matter. You are investing in people. And when you're investing in them, you know, it's a benefit not only for them, not only for your business, for the future as well. Extremely important. I'm going to number six, opportunities. We've all spoken about that at some level. You cannot be an entrepreneur if you are not somebody who sees opportunities. And you know, when the, the, the phrase, you seize opportunity, it is because opportunity is something that just goes past you. If you are there twiddling your thumbs and dwaddling around, the next fast person is going to catch it. So you seize opportunity. And of course, when you are seizing opportunity, it means that you have to embrace risks. Uh, just to go back to my business, uh, when I started, it was, um, there were very few event centers in Lagos. And the ones that were good, which were the hotels, were really a bit of a problem because they really didn't have everything you wanted. You wouldn't like the toilets, wouldn't be good, the air conditioner wouldn't work. And I just felt, okay, my next big dream, I'm going to have an event center. But I remember one of my mentors, it was Dr. Suleiman, when I was now beginning to look for funding to build an event center. I said, yeah, one day you are moving from event planning into real estate. So what is it you want to do? So you don't really need to build an event center, but you can partner with people and make sure you have the kind of event centers that you need for your business and the quality you want to lead it. So the first opportunity came with Lagos State Government when they were looking for uh, uh, um, somebody in the private sector to partner with them to run the City Hall Banquet Hall. And we were able to do that for nine years under both Governor Fashola and Governor Ambody. So that was our first opportunity to, you know, have a hall. And, you know, you may feel, oh, but that wasn't your dream, but it was still important because I was now able to have a venue which I could run at the level that I wanted to operate and which not only myself but other planners could use. Then another opportunity came and this was real innovation. When somebody who owned land in Victoria Island said, you know what, I'd like you to put up a center there. And I went there and I saw this humongous property and I thought, I don't want to just put up a tent. Spoke to a few young people and it's always important to speak to people, speak to young people. And they were like, you know what, there's something called container architecture which gives you what is actually like a building, though it's a temporary structure. And that was why Harbour Point was born. I'm sure many of you have been to Harbour Point and you probably never realized that it's actually built from containers. And it was an interesting adventure because it hadn't been done before. We had to struggle with how to get the roofing done. But what now happened? We now have one of the, if you, if you name the three top event venues in Lagos, Harbour Point will always come in there because of one reason or the other. So you need to seize opportunities. It may not be what you plan, but you can always make it something that will be even more. And that has given us an additional stream of income for over 13 years. So diversify, expand your business, seize opportunities, and make sure you have the additional streams of income. I'm going to move very quickly to number seven, which is adaptability. An entrepreneur just has to be adaptable, you have to be flexible. If you don't have that spirit of adaptability, I think it was Yvonne who mentioned it, that you know, things will change, failure will come, things will happen. You have to be able to adjust and adapt, because if you don't have that spirit, you're not going to last very long. You need to also grow with your clientele. Now, for me, as I said, because of my background, I started off with mostly a corporate clientele and then also grew into the personal clientele from our reputation and from referrals. But then it was one day when I went into an office for a presentation. It was, uh, uh, I think they wanted to have a, an end-of-year party. And I got into the room, and the four people who were there, lovely young people, just all went on their knees. And they were like, ah, we were in school with Tenya Lama at Grange. They were in school with my son. That was when I realized that, hello, you know, this is a new, <laughs> this 
this is a new dispensation. And I realized that, you know what? We need to now have a, 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 an expression that will cater to the millennials. Because really, those ones didn't want me to come and talk to them about their Christmas party. I mean, clearly, what, what did I know? So we now, um, it was actually during 2020, during COVID, that we now decided to have another arm, an expression to the millennials, which we call Eventful Plus. And that is how you adapt to your clientele. Because I now realize that the people making the decisions in the corporates were getting younger and younger. And my generation were now becoming the board and the chairman. And I needed to adapt and adjust quickly so that we would not lose that market. What about, um, you know, going out of your comfort zone? As an event planner, basically people give us money to do their events. But I started getting a bit bored with that. And then because, you know, you're sort of constrained, you have to do it the way they like. And I thought, okay, why don't we begin to do our own events? And that was how the innovation of the eventful souks began. And we started with food and drink because, of course, food and drink is a part of any event, whether it's corporate and social. And hosted our first food fair, which I think you remember you saw on the video. And from there... We went to a beauty fair and my sister Tara here, you know, because what I know what I know how to do. I know how to plan things. But when it comes to other industries, we now go to people in those industries and say, come and join us. We want to do this. So we started the souks, the food souk, fashion souk, beauty souk, and even the street souk, which was actually birthed by my daughter. She saw the fashion souk and said, mommy, I can do this for my generation. So many of us are into these uh, t-shirts and accessories and her souk, which is now hers, in fact she has sacked us as eventful, is arguably the most successful of the souks. So just to let you know that adaptability, you know, with adaptability comes new ideas. With new ideas come new visions. With new visions come new businesses and new streams of income. So I move on very quickly to resilience. You have to have resilience if you're going to be an entrepreneur. And nothing taught us that than when COVID hit. Because COVID struck at the very nerve of what event planning is about, gathering people together. But how did we survive? All of you remember that wonderful word called pivoting. Everybody had to learn to do something new. You know, the first thing that happened when we were all stuck at home during the lockdown, where people were calling me, Mrs. Z, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I said, me too, I'm asking, what are we going to do? But I realized people were looking up to me for leadership. And so I now started, okay, let's have webinars, industry webinars, and begin to talk to each other. And I was shocked when the very first webinar we had, we had over 500 people who wanted to share their thoughts because everybody was in a panic. So that was something that you have to be as an entrepreneur. You have to be resilient. So I had to, you know, gather myself together and realize that, you know what, we have to take the lead and we have to work this thing out. And of course, virtual events began, hybrid events. We all had to develop a new set of skills. But you know, if you're not resilient, if at the first sight of trouble, you're going to turn it, out, turn it all in and give up. Giving up is not an option if you're an entrepreneur. So you just have to be totally resilient. And I'll tell you also about uh, resilience in, uh, with the souks. That year, we couldn't obviously hold a fashion souk, but we didn't want to lose the momentum. And we decided, okay, let's have a virtual fashion souk, which was extremely innovative. How are you going to have a virtual fashion souk? So we had... Um we actually wanted to use Nigerian um, uh, tech company, but they said they needed six months, and we didn't have six months. So we went to an Indian company who had apparently done it before and said they could do it in three months. Now, what now happened was, very sadly, on the day in question, only Android phones could work. All the people that had Apple gadgets could not get into the system, which was terrible. But what was great was those Android people who could get in. There were so many success stories. So when people were like, oh, the virtual soup didn't work, I said, no. 
it worked because first of all we've tried something new secondly some people were able to still make something out of it and about a month later we had to do another virtual event another virtual fair and um, it went so well the virtual art fair so i say this to let you know that sometimes things may not go as you plan but you will learn something so never be afraid of failure as an entrepreneur that's something that all of us will experience at some stage and it's all part of being resilient and you know just digging it in there and making sure that um, you don't uh, you don't give up you don't give up moving very quickly yes i'm still within my time number nine financial management financial prudence what are you really in the business for is it a hobby and that's okay because as i keep saying just be true to yourself not everybody needs to build a world-class institution that's going to be raking billions in revenue what do you want but you see no matter how small it is what is so important is that there must be financial prudent financial management of your business are you just still spending as you earn you're not paying yourself a salary you don't have structure you're just you know you don't even know what's going on you don't even really know if you're profitable at all and it's so important because many of us you know we say that oh we can't get loans from the institutions because uh, they say you don't have good books i mean this money belongs to other people they can only give you money if they're sure that you're going to be able to return the money and uh, it, it reminds me of some we had a company who actually wanted to give a grant to our fashion entrepreneurs and i was so excited that they were all going to get this seed grant and they said you could gather 50 of them we'll interview them and we'll give this money to 20 people do you know that when we said it everybody was excited yes they want to be a part of it and we tried to gather 50 people who had audited accounts absolutely no way none of these entrepreneurs had audited accounts so we went back to the company and said well you know they're small businesses they don't have their accounts audited they said okay give us management accounts do you know even with that we couldn't do it so you know what business are you in where you don't even have your management accounts and what now happened of course was they all lost this opportunity to be beneficiaries of this grant and that was a grant it wasn't a loan so i think it's really really important that we just and i know some people will say ah oh, yeah but your business is a big business you were a banker no even in your small business you may not be able to engage an accountant but there's so many of these uh, small companies that will do part-time for you and they will come in and look after your books it is so so important transparency good governance you need to have it to build a sustainable business and for us that was what sustained us during the time of covid when everybody shut down we were able to still pay all our staff 50 percent of the salary from myself to the most junior person all the time that we couldn't work but if we hadn't built our business if we hadn't made sure that we had those kept those records kept that account made sure that we were liquid so it is very very important it's not just about just having this idea and branding the fact that you're an entrepreneur you really must build your business and i go to my very last slide which is succession planning now i think for me i was actually just being quite selfish when i was planning succession and i think like most entrepreneurs i'm i i just feel there's just so much to do and i just feel that you know there's uh, this isn't I, I don't have only one thing that i was created to do i just feel that there's just so much to do and i knew that i couldn't express myself fully if i remained in that business but in any case i had been you know laying the foundation for ensuring that that business was going to outlive me even as uh, as long as i'd started the business i was very very intentional about it and you know when you're in a service industry it's extremely difficult because people cannot separate you from your company they want yewande zakios yewande zakios has now become a brand but for me it was about eventful limited being an important brand and that was a brand i wanted to push so i would very deliberately make sure when we went out at least about five years before my exit that whoever the uh, the project manager was i would go to them with the first meeting i would ensure they take the lead i will step back you need to let your clients begin to trust your staff 
And you know, you need to let your staff know that there's a future in the company. Because, you know, if they don't feel there's a future, why are they going to wait? They're only good. I mean, everybody, as you've said, man is selfish. Everybody wants, you know, to, to, to work for their own good. If they don't see that there's going to be a future, they won't wait. So it was very, very important. We used to have our retreats for three years before I left. The biggest question at our retreats, what happens when YZ goes? Are all her clients going to go? Is this going to disappear? But when you have been very deliberate about building an institution, you have structure. People know that this is what you're known for. They know that you will, you, 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 that everything that you have laid down, that you have said you will be, is what they will continue to be after. Then it made it easier. We emp- I empowered my staff. Three of them, I had to make them shareholders, very happily so. So not only are they shareholders, they're also directors in the company. So they have ownership, they have authority. So that makes them know that, you know, they have skin in this game and we're going to grow this business together. So it's very, very important. Let your staff, let them be valued, let them, you need to affirm them and you need to be able to let go. A lot of people were like, how could you do that? How come you didn't hand it over to your children? Both my children are actually in the entertainment business. Why didn't you keep it for them? Because it was never about that. It was always about building something that was going to be bigger than me. It was always about impacting lives and impacting people. It was about doing something that, you know, nobody has ever done before and doing it well. And I think the evidence from the video and what we have done so far and the fact that you will you believe that two years after I've left, the company is doing even better than I, when I was there. I think that's the evidence of the success of the business. So I close with just one scripture, which is one that I always used in building this business. I'm praying about my business. Psalm 90 verse 17. And let the beauty of the Lord be upon you and establish the works of your hand. Yea, establish the works of your hand. Have fun on your journey. Thank you.